So welcome everybody. My name is Ember Kelly and I am the Director of Religious Education here at the Fourth Universalist Society in the city of New York. I use she and her pronouns and we're so excited to have you here for the third in our four-part speaker series on religion and socialism. We've had some fabulous discussions about Buddhism and socialism, Judaism and socialism. We've had some explorations of what religion and socialism could mean going into the future. It's been really fascinating getting to see some of the uh, subjects that we explore. We do record all of these to put them on YouTube. So this will be available for viewing later on YouTube. Uh, and many of you might be joining us watching this later on YouTube, uh, in which case, hello to those joining us on YouTube. Uh, but I am so excited for tonight and for this amazing conversation that uh, we're going to have about organizing as practical theology. Uh, and this is a conversation with Ben Haney, who is the Sunday associate, uh, which is also the jack of all trades position uh, at Fourth Universalist Society. Uh, ben helps, he is a former intern and just helps make sure that everything and anything is running smoothly in the congregation. And Ben, I am so excited to get to talk with you. Ben, before we dive in too deeply, would you just like to introduce yourself in broad general terms? Yeah, sure. Thank you for that intro, Ember. I am, yeah, I'm the, the Sunday associate at Fourth U. I almost said here at Fourth U, which is how that sentence usually goes. Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, I'm in my apartment right now, and uh, I'm a student at Union Theological Seminary, and I'm uh, about to graduate with my Master's of Divinity in interreligious engagement. And I'm uh, originally from Evanston, Illinois, right off the north side of Chicago. And I studied philosophy and comparative religious studies at Hamlin University in St. Paul, Minnesota. So I'm part of the, uh, the, the long march through the institutions by midwesterners as well as <laughs> as well as socialists um yeah so there's a there's a strong midwestern cohort at fourth u um and i'm proud to be a member of our uh, unofficial caucus so we're taking over we're taking over you know, <laughs> last year when ben was our intern and he was regularly meeting with myself and reverend schuyler we talked about our our shared Midwestern-ness, um, and it was always fun. And uh, during our time getting to work together with Ben as the intern, we discovered our shared passion for socialism as well, and uh, excited that that has now led us to this point today to have this conversation. So Ben, would you like to talk a little bit about some of like the organizing work you do? Because tonight is talking about organizing as practical theology. What kind of other stuff outside of being a seminarian and being a, a Sunday associate are you out there doing? Yeah, absolutely. So I, like I said, am a student at Union, which for those who are not familiar with it, is um, right down the street from and institutionally connected with Columbia University. And so I've gotten to um, organize in both of those contexts. So uh, last year, I was very involved with the effort by security guards on Union's campus to form their bargaining unit and bargain their form yeah form their bargaining unit and bargain their first Union contract. They were the last of Union's campus staff to not be 
uh, members of the union. And now everybody who like takes care of our buildings and our campus are affiliated with SEIU 32BJ, which is a big uh, building staff local uh, that goes like up and down the East Coast. Um, and I co-chaired the theology and narrative committee of that effort. And um, it, was a, it was a really powerful experience. Um, and so I'm, uh, yeah, really invested in some other just kind of like ongoing organizing of, you know, the the day to day, just like being being a union um, that they are now like in, you know, that they're now in, in that stage. And so I've tried to like, you know, stay connected to that. Um, I've also um, supported some student organizing going on over at um, Columbia and um, have helped with um, some like planning and strategizing for some things that have gone over there. And yeah, so a lot of my organizing experience has been about um, helping, you know, uh, students come together to support workers um, strategically where like we have um, leverage and and power like in our roles uh, within the institution, which is a very like unique um, a unique place to be in uh, and to to act from in a spirit of solidarity. Um, and I've also spent a lot of time doing some other like mutual aid work um, in New York. Um, but I have uh, definitely become more focused on the the labor side of things. And I'm also a member of of DSA. Yeah, and you know, with the mutual aid, there's there's so many opportunities for that in New York City with uh, some yeah. unmet unmet needs happening in the community. Mm -hmm. Um, so uh, we define ourselves in lots of ways. Uh, I would be very proud to say I am a socialist. Um, and some people may just lean more towards anti-capitalist, leftist. People use many different terms. What has been kind of your journey to defining yourself as a socialist? Yeah, yeah, it was a very like multifaceted process as I think it is for a lot of, um, you know, for, for a lot of people and especially I think for a lot of like young people who come up in like post-Cold War and post-9-11 America where um, it can be really hard to have like critical conversations about politics if you don't really know where to start because political education can just be so like so thin um, and so hard to come by um, if you're interested in something that's like critical of, of larger structures. But um, I grew up in like a, a very like multiracial neighborhood um, and in like a fairly politically progressive environment. And so, you know, issues of inequality, um, especially um, structural racism um, were kind of on my radar for a very long time. And then I was in college when two uh, defining moments 
and um, I think like recent political life happened. One was um, the beginning of the Black Lives Matter movement and the, um, you know, like the, the foregrounding of anti-Black violence by police forces all across the U.S. Um, in, in like popular political awareness that really like came to the fore. Um, and Bernie Sanders ran his first campaign for president. Um, and so two in, with respect to each of those things, one, the one thing that came of um, being exposed to, you know, those first big like street rallies um, of the, the movement for black lives, um, I saw really like timid um, and uh, disappointing responses from mainstream politicians um, and just like an, an inability to like reckon with what was really going on and to like speak honestly about um, the state of inequality and the causes of it. Um, and then when uh, with, with uh, Bernie Sanders' first campaign, um, I started hearing about the idea of like Medicare for all. And I had grown up with like a lot of friends who didn't have, you know, the privileges that I had. And so I knew a lot of people who like didn't have like health insurance. And like, I had seen like the stress that my friends and their families had gone through. Um, and that really spoke to me because it was the first like real political aspiration that I had seen from a campaign. Um, so that was kind of like the, the one, two of like, things are really bad but there's like this other way of thinking about things that will allow you to have some hope for accomplishing things. And, oh, I guess that's called socialism. Wait a minute, I thought that was scary and evil. Um, I guess I better start reading. And then I read a lot <laughs> and then I started connecting with people. Um, and I was, you know, I was in Minnesota, which has a very strong um, labor tradition and has very strong progressive traditions. And so I started meeting people who, um, who knew about those things. Um, I had one professor who was like very proudly, um, socialist and would speak about having been involved, um, with the socialist party back in the day. Um, and so I learned a lot from him. Um, and um, started, you know, just like going back um, to my history books and, you know, asking new questions. And around that same time, um, I got introduced to, um, in my philosophy classes, I got introduced to Spinoza and Hegel. And I was like, oh, these seem interesting and helpful for thinking about society. Uh, and then people kept talking about how both of them had influenced Karl Marx. And I was like, all right, if that's taking a step forward in like the specificity of the questions we're asking, I should check that out. And I did. And I was like, wow, there's a lot here. Um, and so, yeah. And then I, I found um, 
you know, DSA is like a very, you know, complex organization that, you know, had a lot of people who were willing to like ask hard questions and have strategic conversations that that meant something. Um, and so that was cool to be around. I haven't, you know, just because I've, I've moved so much over the last few years and the horrible timing of that whole global pandemic thing, um, haven't been able to engage um, in, in the ways that I would like. Um, but yeah, I, um, it's just been kind of like connecting with people and trying to find work that I could do when I could. And, um, you know, passing, having passed a lot of the lockdown, just like reading and listening to podcasts and just like doing the self-directed study that I could do. Um, and, and just like finding that so many of the people who, who inspired me in like, you know, historical public life had considered themselves socialist, um, you know, of one stripe or another, um, just like convinced me. And um, I think it was, um, I remember uh, reading Rosa Luxemburg's Reform or Revolution and just thinking like, ah, yeah, this is like, this is just right. Um, like, this is the way to understand like crisis. Uh, like the kinds of economic crisis that have been going on, like just periodically throughout, you know, my life. And I was just like, yep, I think, uh, <laughs> I think I'm just going to be believing this for a long time. No, that, that resonates. Uh, Rosa was also an early read for me. Uh, mm -hmm. No, but I, you know, it was very much that same, that sense of, as I looked around during some of these big major political moments of my life, who was doing the action, who was doing the talking and the good analysis that always usually ended up being much more accurate than other political analysis where everybody was always surprised by what was happening. Um, that, that, that resonates. Um, so I'm curious as someone who is a seminarian, as someone who yeah. is working at a church, um, how does theology slash uh, religion motivate you in your organizing work? Yeah, yeah. Um, that's a great question. It is, um, I think they've both just kind of like woven together over the years, especially um, as <clears throat> my time at Fourth U has like pushed me to grow um, in the ways that it has. But um, one way that I think about it now is the fact that, you know, uh, Unitarian Universalism defines itself by um, nationally seven principles and our congregation affirms the eighth principle, which hopefully it will go through at the national level. Um, and the, the first of those principles is the inherent worth and dignity of every person. And the second principle is justice, equity, and compassion in human relations. And I just like measure the world against those things, you know? I, I just like check, <laughs> try to check the math of the kinds of lives um, that I see people being able to live under the structures that exist in our world. And I see that those, those systems violate our principles um, on such a regular basis. And 
you know, we just, we have a tradition that, that, you know, affirms the value of, of lifting up everyone um, and focusing on, to me, I think the, the ones who are, you know, the, the most exploited and the most marginalized, um, because that's where, you know, the greatest, you know, progress can be made in asserting our principles and like, re not just asserting, but like realizing um, our ethical principles in the world. And I um, am also like very influenced um, from studying philosophy and religion by Buddhist thought. Um, and the idea that um, there is, you know, some aspect of, of awakening or enlightenment, some degree of um, what, you know, some parts of the tradition would call Buddha activity going on in every person. Um, I think we should have a world where people get to live that out to the greatest extent possible. And I, I don't think that capitalism allows for that right now. Um, based on my understanding of how it works in its bare bones, I, I don't think it ever really could. And so I'd really like it if we did something else. Makes, makes sense to me, makes sense to me. Um, so kind of the opposite direction, mm -hmm. do you see um, organizing principles, lessons that you're learning and doing the organizing, et cetera. Do you see that kind of being able to possibly help in religious communities? Yeah, I do. I really do. I think that, um, well, specifically in the, in the trade union tradition, there's, um, a great emphasis on learning to identify um, organic leaders in a community. And to me, that speaks to a particular um, way of fostering democracy within a community, like recognizing that leadership can come from, you know, uh, anyone who is respected in their community. Um, and I think that, um, you know, learning to um, look for and support and cultivate organic leadership within our congregations um, is something that is, is really deeply connected with a lot of um, core UU values um, and also um, offers a lot to the longevity of any religious community. Um, you know, people talk a lot about wanting to avoid the hub and spokes model of a congregation where there's just like the one minister and then everything revolving around it. Um, and I think that um, organizing has a lot to teach in kind of like building a community that has, um, you know, more support available than that. And I also think that like participating in organizing, in like social justice efforts, participating in, you know, grassroots movements, going out and supporting a strike, walking a picket line, um, or even just donating to a strike fund um, is a great way for lots of faith communities to affirm and practice their values. 
getting getting out there and involved in the community is always a, a beautiful thing for for congregations yeah um no you know i think that one of the things that for me in my like education role uh that that has stuck with me from my organizing experience is um i'm trying to think about how to how to best convey it um that you uh there there is never going to be a one size fits all and you need to like mm -hmm. be um constantly be willing to have an idea try it see if it works learn the lessons that you that you can and then try again and the knowledge you know knowledge theory or theory praxis theory praxis you know the constant cycle of like putting it into practice seeing if it works learning the lessons put it into practice again see if it works you know that, that, like that's how if if something is not succeeding as a program look and see why see what the needs are it's it's important to i think a lot of a lot of congregations and a lot of religious communities stand to learn that kind of concept of like okay try the idea like see if it might work but then also don't be attached to it forever like you always have to be watching like the feedback and seeing what is working yeah yeah definitely that ability to think in terms of like experiment and iterative process is a, a muscle that you can really develop through um you know working on organizing projects for sure so you we talk about the the congregations getting involved with like organizing do you think are churches inherently reactionary um no can <laughs> Can churches never, never can churches be like a space for kind of this revolutionary change organizing? Like, can can churches be the space where this organizing can maybe take on like a new dimension? Yeah, I I really think that they can. And um, you know, if you if you look back through American history, all of the you know progressive and liberatory breakthroughs that have happened are really just unimaginable you can't you can't tell the story uh without looking at the faith communities that were involved in it and um you know that's true of individual leaders who were cultivated by their traditions by their congregations by their um by their churches um, and it's also true of, you know, support that the, the community of the denomination or of the church or, or of the, um, you know, the, the community of whatever, um, whatever religious tradition it is, um, playing a, a really significant role. Um, and you can see that I think in, in a lot of different ways. Um, there are, you know, churches that, um, you know, supported strikes during like the heyday of, um, you know, the CIO and, you know, day, times when there was like a lot of like very intense class struggle going on. Um, you know, that is, I think one, one like easily recognizable option, but another, I think, I, I would argue that um, Malcolm X's approach to building um, 
to building mosques was a very like radical and grassroots approach to um, building communities of faith. Like if you read his autobiography, he talks about going out and fishing um, and like finding people um, who could who could come together and build like a self-sustaining community. And a lot of those communities went into creating um, the civil rights movement and black power politics. Um, so there's there's so so many different ways. Um, Buddhism has its own tradition of engaged Buddhism or socially engaged Buddhism. Um, I'm, I'm in a class right now um, with a professor whose community does uh, what they call an election session. And a session is the, um, you know, like the, the like week long intensive meditation retreats in the Zen tradition and they'll go to um, a plate, like a swing vote area um, and like rent somewhere to stay and like go knock on doors. So there are lots of different ways. And at, at Fourth U, um, we have our own, or in, in Unitarian Universalism, we have our own, you know, contributions to these things. We have ministers who um, really helped to, to bring the message of the abolition of slavery to the forefront. Um, people who like preached on that um, in a very like principled and uncompromising way. Um, and in in our church now, I mean, Ember, you, you led a class on um, confronting colonialism and understanding what its legacy is and, you know, what, what kind of violence it entails and, you know, what the real record is there. And so these are all, these are all different contributions that can be made in ways that I think are, are deeply organic to the faith traditions that they come out of. Right. And it, se it seems to me that like any, any organizer would be remiss to, to miss the opportunity of like connecting with like something that uh, in, in, a, in a healthy congregation um, is, is a hub of its community. Like that is, you know, like certainly there are ones that, you know, are like five people hanging out in um, the backwoods. I don't know. Um, but the, <laughs> for the, for the most part, churches, faith communities, mosques, you know, synagogues, these, these things function as even just like cultural community hubs and mm -hmm. places of, of immense connection. And I, you know, it feels like, it feels like a place where we can have that, um, you know, that, that seems an easy launching point for connecting with other work. Yeah, definitely. And, and what you just said makes me realize also that like, you know, even with how, you know, fragmented and alienated um, U.S. society feels right now, I think that communities of faith are one of the places where, you know, we're still in deep enough relationship with each other that we can have some hard conversations. Um, and, and, um, investigate history and culture really deeply and and think about what it means to do justice based on our understanding of those things right right one well, in our first uh speaker one of the one of the discussions that we had it was around like 
what would religion look like if you know socialism completely replaced capitalism tomorrow um and you know, one of the things that I actually, when, when the UUA, when the UUs are living out their values and doing that in community together, to me, that feels very similar to like how I would picture people of different religions, people of different backgrounds, being able to coexist with each other in community, that it isn't about like, mm -hmm. this is what we have in common, but what we have in common is that we care for each other and we care for the world around us. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, so if somebody was interested in getting plugged in to organizing, like someone's like, wow, like that sounds like, you know, I, I see, I see the things that unions are doing. I see the things that these, uh, people doing democracy work are doing. I see all these different, what, what are some ways, like, you know, what ways do you think are like good beginner steps to like get plugged into this kind of work? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, one is to look up, you know, like what's active in your area. Um, you know, if you live in a big city, there might be something that you can support. Um, you know, you could learn about what unions exist for your industry. And if you don't work at a unionized workplace, you can get in touch with, you know, one of those unions and start learning about what it would mean to organize your workplace. Or you could talk to the uh, emergency workplace organizing committee or the emergency tenant organizing committee, which are both projects uh, of the DSA, excuse me, which are both projects of the DSA at the national level, the um, uh, respectively known as EWOC and ETOC. Um, and so they're, uh, they're doing good work and they've got uh, cute, funny names. So two wins there. Um, so yeah, you can talk to them about, you know, how to learn how to organize and they'll, they'll put you in touch, um, with people who can give you some good coaching. Um, and, um, just, you know, start staying up to date on things. Um, you know, there's some, some websites that are doing good, uh, good coverage of this kind of stuff. Um, labor notes and the strike wave are two great sites. Um, the DSA religion and socialism blog has good stuff. Um, Jacobin often reports on strikes that are, that are happening. Um, you know, on, on those sites, you'll find write-ups. I think labor notes has information about, um, contracts they're going to come up for negotiation um in the near future and so you can say like oh this uh you know like ups's contract is going to get renegotiated this summer and uh who knows they might go on strike but like there's a facility in my town so i'm going to work on getting to know some people over there just so that you know i'm in touch and i'm ready to bring over some pizza and water bottles um to a picket line um you know, if and when something goes down. Um, so, and the, the good news about organizing is that a lot of it is just having conversations and, um, and getting to know people. And, you know, you're gonna get to know people who you wouldn't, you know, often like have the occasion to talk to, but really it's about like learning about your community. Um, and the people who you can work with on on things that are close to home. 
Now, you mentioning learning about your community that that really resonates with me because I think that sometimes, especially in broader American politics, that like political involvement can often come from this place of like that I know what you should do. Here's what you should do. Here's how you know my solution will work for you. But good organizing work is getting to know your community, getting to learn from your community, mm -hmm. and then help put that in put that in place together alongside your community versus like coming from this domineering political position, which I think is often so easy to, to see in our broader political sphere. Yeah. Yeah. And they come up with boring solutions too. <laughs> it's more and fun when we do it ourselves. Solutions with not as good of acronyms, you know, the UUA, we love our acronyms too. So um, <laughs> I think that, that is very much the case. Um, so I'd be curious, um, as kind of our final big topic to kind of look at here, and then folks, if you're here in person, like we will have the ability to drop some questions in chat and maybe even to just uh, allow some unmuting. Uh, but our big kind of final topic here is to think about what are the interesting intersections that you see of religion and socialism or of theology and organizing? You know, for example, I think a lot of people uh, think that like they are opposed to each other. So like what what do you see as these interesting intersections? Yeah. <clears throat> well, the first thing that comes to mind is that um, having a meditation practice is just such a, an important and rewarding thing um, for anybody, but especially if you're going to do like nose to the grindstone um, organizing work. Um, you know, it's something that can help you like process stress, um, help you um, recognize when you're having a knee jerk reaction, which is something that's really important um, if you want to be part of, you know, crafting winning strategy um, and doing the kinds of like diplomacy that are just necessary to like build a coalition. Um, so that's one thing. The other um example that I've I've been a part of practicing was that during the the campaign here on uh, Union Seminary's campus, we had people write statements of what justice for um, working people, what economic justice means within their own tradition. And it's there, like in all of them. And we brought people in um, from you know, their own, you know, like through their own sense of belonging in their tradition. We had this multi-faith chapel service, which was just this incredibly moving. And I think one of the two best attended events I've ever been to <laughs> at Union. Um, I think it was literally like my class's convocation um, after not having had one for two years because of COVID. Um, and then the the Solidarity Chapel for the workers. Um, and we had everything from, you know, um, one guard is a, a deacon in his home Protestant church, and he did a Bible reading. Um, another guard is Muslim, and he did recitations from the Quran. Um, we had all kinds of just beautiful, beautiful contributions um 
from from people's home traditions and it built a lot of um a lot of strength um and um and like familiarity um in the community i think we came out of that feeling like we really knew each other um in a deeper way and i think that it it fortified us um for you know um some of the the conflict um that you inevitably have to deal with when you're um negotiating a contract sorry my lights are being funky but i think you can still see me. we can still see you just fine okay uh, light lighting issues happen um no i think that yeah it's it's beautiful to see um i i i i so greatly have enjoyed this series i've enjoyed conversations you and i have had been it's it's really wonderful getting to see just the these this, the myriad of interesting ways that that religion and socialism can interact with each other and yeah um, often beautiful ways um um, I'm going to uh, go ahead and turn off a recording. So if you're joining us on YouTube in the future, it's wonderful to have had you here in the future.